0: Welcome to Capital Radio by C-Funds. I'm Liz. And I am Lika. And in this podcast, we demystify the world of private equity and venture capital. As a globally active fund placement agency, every day we meet interesting people from all over the world. We want to share their stories with you.
1: Our guests are experienced investors and fund managers that will tell us what it takes to enter the black box of private equity. Today's guest is Eva Yazari. She is a seasoned investor, conscious entrepreneur, leading author, and the CEO and founder of Beyond Capital Ventures. Eva started her career on Wall Street, working alongside top hedge fund managers before launching Beyond Capital in 2009, where she combines her passion for finance and social impact. Eva is also an angel investor, the founder of the online magazine, The Conscious Investor, co-host of the Beyond Capital podcast and the author of The Good Your Money Can Do. Eva splits her time between Dallas and Los Angeles with her family. Welcome, Eva.
0: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, great. So as a starting point, could you please tell us a little bit about your upbringing and how it gave you exposure to emerging markets? Absolutely.
2: So I grew up in New York City. I'm the daughter of two artists, working and living artists. That was an important part of my upbringing. But um, additionally, when I was growing up, I heard from my grandfather, as well as my father and my aunts and uncles about what it was like to live in Africa. And um, of course, there was the, you know, the, the tale of the trip all the way from New York City to Cape Town on a ship and then, you know, driving up to part a smaller kind of more remote city and and town in um, southwestern Tanzania to start a health clinic because my my grandfather was a medical doctor. But it was also the story of how a new aunt entered the family when her mother died in childbirth. And they kind of brought her over the hill to um, the health clinic because her father was nearly 60 years old. And um, she became my Aunt Betsy. And I think really kind of Kickstarted and sparked an interest in healthcare in emerging markets, which is one of the focus areas as a venture investor at Beyond Capital Ventures that we have. It's one of our three verticals. And so my exposure to emerging markets was truly that I didn't necessarily have a bias when I left Wall Street. As you mentioned in the intro, I did work on Wall Street and I was very lucky to, I think, be able to see the African continent, as well as India, where we also focus our investments as opportunity and not necessarily, you know, poverty or complexity or something that I cannot get my head wrapped around, which is the typical kind of prevailing thought on Wall Street about emerging markets, unless you dive into that space like I have. So really, I think just kind of circling back to like the black box of of private equity and venture I think a lot of that black box is tangled with bias and what I mean by that is just kind of prevailing thought status quo around you know specific markets being better than others or even creating own little bubbles around specific sectors and geographies and Africa especially and India to a, a smaller degree have been overlooked and it's been incredible to see what great innovation comes out of those markets. But again, it really goes back to me having kind of an upbringing of a family that upped and moved from the U.S. to Tanzania in actually 1959 and lived there for over a decade. I'm sure the time you spent
1: in Africa as a child uh, would have been a complete contrast to your time on Wall Street, Eva. Uh, You mentioned that impact investing wasn't necessarily the end goal from your time there. But I wonder, as you spent time in due diligence and amongst hedge fund managers, um, were you constantly looking at how you could apply those skills to what was next?
2: Absolutely. I think that despite how daunting the term due diligence or underwriting actually sounds, it's really just the investigation of an investment opportunity. And I was lucky to kind of cut my teeth in a very institutional quality environment, meaning really kind of going deep, doing a a due diligence where a lot of kind of more in-depth questions were asked where we were really getting to know the people. And in in my time in finance, I was investing in hedge funds. And I was lucky enough to be uh, in charge of the activist fund manager portion of the portfolio, which was, I think, the envy of the entire investment team because... I was speaking to the, you know, hedge fund managers that were rattling the cage, um, that were buying stakes and, and asking for change. But, um, it was, you know, the fun part was, was also getting to know those firms, getting to know their value propositions, getting to know the people behind them, and then maintaining that, that, those investments and that kind of post investment support. And so when I pivoted to impact in 2009, the principal skill that I brought with me was was due diligence. I actually, as you can tell, was not a venture investor. I had um, a learning curve to learn about venture and kind of discover that space. But the kind of deep investigation and due diligence tools that I had really enabled me to build a successful portfolio now of 14 investments with exits with strong impact, with impact being baked into the business models and then to go on to raise my second fund as well.
0: Yeah. And you've been active in impact for, I think, around 12 years now already. I think this question is twofold. I think, first of all, how do you
2: define impact? And also, has this changed over those years? Well, I define impact as just the intention to have more than a financial return. But maybe to take a even kind of you know a step back or take a higher kind of level view, it, it really just is the acknowledgement and the awareness that you can make money and do good at the same time. I think a lot of maybe pension funds or corporates might say, okay, well that's an oversimplification, but ultimately impact and the value it brings to the market is not just checking boxes, you know, social and environmental or governance type returns alongside financial returns. It's empowering investors to do more. And so my definition has changed actually, in the sense that when I started out in impact, I was over-intellectualizing it. I was kind of thinking about it as Okay, you're just using the tools of finance and then, you know, the impact comes along with it, but it's, you know, the impact is really a part of the investment and really you're kind of just doing the same due diligence. As I started to evolve as what I would call an impact venture capitalist, I realized that there were specific qualities that were really important for impact companies to thrive. And one of them is conscious leadership. I like to say that it is the secret sauce of impact investing. And the reason for that is a conscious leader is one who's thinking about all stakeholders. They're thinking about more than just their shareholders. They're thinking about their customers, their employees, the government, the community in which they're operating and the environment. But without a leader that is thinking about all stakeholders, you know, impact truly can't be baked into a model, which is where I think the strong value proposition is for impact investing. I I don't actually even believe in terms such as impact first or finance first now. I think we're lucky enough to be living in a time where we can have an impact with little sacrifice to our financial returns, also to our consumer choices that the list definitely goes on. But I, I do think that there are important qualities of a company and one of them is absolutely the fact that it needs to be run by a leader who is more broad in her thinking. And so that has is how my perspective has shifted. Additionally, I've also realized that creativity is increasingly more important for impact investors to communicate. It's not easy to communicate impact in numbers alone. I think I've sat through many conference panels And discussions around this where everybody gets really bored about the fact that, you know, we're trying to box impact into specific frameworks. When in reality, there are other ways to express impact that include storytelling, that include connecting people um, and getting proximate to the impact that the work is having as well as also being able to kind of think about how to verify impact in other ways. And we started working with a number of companies that are helping us think through our impact more holistically. And one of them uses blockchain technology to do that. So I think that there are many ways to change this definition of impact and be a little bit more understanding of the fact that it does require other skills And once the kind of finance world embraces that, you know, the floodgates will be open. And I think it'll be more clear to investors why impact does not need to be a trade off, why it matters and why it can help them reclaim the power of their money.
1: And Eva, I love uh, when you said, you know, how you can become, you know, in this space, you can become a little bit more creative uh, with the way you approach things. And I know something with Beyond Capital, you know, you mentioned that you have reached 16 million people with uh, with the funds that you've deployed so far. Um, I'd really love to hear more about how um, you've narrowed down, I guess, this very broad uh, impact world or mandate or geographies into something that you can really sink your teeth into um, at Beyond Capital. Can you speak to us a bit more about your investment strategy there?
2: Absolutely. It's really simple. I kind of call it a three by three. We focus on three main verticals, healthcare, financial inclusion, and agriculture. And we focus on three impact themes, gender, distribution, and livelihoods. These are kind of the areas where we see the most opportunity, both for financial return and impact hand in hand. We are a seed and series A funder, We are very comfortable with kind of just post-revenue type businesses and evaluating them and getting comfortable with, you know, the right combination of an idea, market and a team. We like to kind of push the envelope in that. And I hope this, you know, becomes the norm. We kind of score founders for conscious leadership. We ask them questions around um, their leadership styles. We really aim to kind of get to know them as people, because if you look at our future website for our second fund, we haven't. We're just about. We've just kind of put a term sheet forward for our first investment. We will have the faces of the founders that we're investing in, and not simply just the logos, because I think that we've moved away from the paradigm of investing in people, communities, and moved towards just ideas, which creates kind of hype and definitely, you know, bubbles, what I would call bubbles. So we're we're very measured in the way that we invest. We're not chasing trends, we're not chasing technologies only. Um, We're very kind of focused on what we know we like and, and learning about what we like, you know, in any given market change, but also what we don't like. Um so to give an example of that in healthcare, we like Healthcare mobility, at home healthcare, digital healthcare, and women's health. And with the other two sectors, we have kind of similar subsectors that we focus on. And our team constantly produces market reports where we can reevaluate the areas that we're focused on. We actually just did a, an agriculture report this morning on our team call where we kind of bifurcated market linkage and then tools for farmers as well as financing platforms. And so our goal, though, is to fund companies in their seed rounds and then also reinvest in them and have a reserve capital for their Series A rounds as well. And some of our companies will be direct to Series A in our in our next fund as well. And I think the stage matters because there still is a little bit of a gap for capital. And this is somewhere where we've seen the ability to have impact. In our first fund, we've mobilized over a 100 times the amount of capital that we originally put into the companies just by being an early catalyst and also with some of our relationships. I think that we'll be able to do that or or even more in this second fund.
0: Yeah, I think it's really refreshing to hear what your approach is to VC since it's especially the private equity world, but also the VC world. A lot of it is still in some ways traditional, Uh, specifically VC and private equity is very male dominated as well. And you've also mentioned that you see yourself as kind of a next generation of fund managers, female fund managers specifically. Could you explain a bit about what you mean with this?
2: Absolutely. Well, we're definitely living at a time where investing in women and people of color is acknowledged as being at a a lower point than I think most people would be comfortable with. I mean, why we are... Half of the population, just taking gender as an example, and represent less than 2% if you're looking at kind of company founders of money allocated from venture and why venture is mostly in the hands of white male graduates from Harvard and Stanford is not okay. And the reason that, that it's not okay is because that means that the selection of what succeeds are companies like WeWork. Which was essentially just a business and a, a psychopath founder that money was thrown at because investors didn't want to lose out on the money they'd already put into that company. And I can tell you, I've seen that many, many times in my career and in, you know, others that are close to me as well. And so why I think it's then so important to be proud of being a female fund manager is that. I kind of get to bring forth a strategy and skills. um, And I'm not alone in this. I'm a member of Transact Global, which is a network of over 200 female general partners around the world. And so we get to develop our own funds and level the playing field. And it's not that we think it needs to be leveled, but we think that we deserve to also be investors in our own right and have value with our funds. You know, my team is not entirely female. It is female led and our investment committee is majority female, but I do have some incredible males on the team. So I'm I'm not kind of looking at this as an exclusionary play. Um, I just think we need to be more inclusive. And that's why I'm really excited to wake up in the morning and see myself as this next gen of female fund manager taking finance to the next level where the only decision makers are not a specific type of person. And if I could draw back to my hedge fund days, we really only had two portfolio managers out of 38 that were women. One of them was, I think, the husband and wife team. And the other one was her own female who had started her fund. But You know, again, coming just back to sheer numbers, I think there have been a lot of challenges for female fund managers and there still are. And I feel very lucky to um, be building my fund now in this time and maybe in a way blazing that trail for others that will, you know, come into a world where maybe it will be more like 50-50 female fund managers going forward.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think what Beyond Capital is doing is a great contribution to this a bit more equal world. And Eva, you're you're not only a fund manager, but you're also an author, as we already mentioned in the intro. Uh, so you've recently written a book called The Good Your Money Can Do. Could you tell us a bit more about why did you decide to write this book and what is the message that you want to deliver with this book?
2: Absolutely. So The, the Good Your Money Can Do is a playbook for anybody looking to use more of their resources for good. And I say resources because I do believe that the narrative around wealth being only money holds us back as a society, holds back groups like women and people of color, holds back micro-investors, makes money a taboo subject for children. But when we can talk about the impact that our money is having... It's empowering and it opens up a whole new level of conversation around resource. And so The Good Your Money Can Do was written based on some of my lived experiences and also interviews on my own podcast with over 60 purpose-driven leaders, as well as some interviews from my online magazine around kind of social good in order to inspire the reader to think differently and find more meaning and purpose in their money and in their other resources. And when I say other resources, I mean consumer choices, voice, social media presence, network, to know that we are wealthy when we don't necessarily have the kind of classical billionaire definition of what wealthy is, to know that we all can be investors even if the language around investing has been unapproachable and challenging for specific groups to you know fully embrace and i say that because i do think as a mathematician i have, you know, no no challenges in in understanding the alpha beta and the Greeks and and all of the kind of language of finance, but I do think it is very statistic oriented in the US. I would refer to our, um, you know, top sports channel, ESPN. It definitely is in line with a particular way of viewing the world. And when we can then have more to talk about, whether it's the numbers impact or whether it's the stories impact of our money, that's really where the conversation, I think, gets more fruitful. It becomes more inclusive. And so the book is really meant for somebody to be able to tap into that. And I, it's part one is kind of a case for what I call conscious investing. And then part two is a guidebook that I hope anybody that reads the book starts to mark it up and, you know, use it as a, as a tool for themselves. Wonderful,
0: Eva. Thank you so much. That wraps up the first part of the interview. So now we'll move into the fire round, which means that we will be asking you a couple of really brief questions. And we would also like you to answer briefly. So if you're ready, then we can go ahead.
2: I am ready. Perfect. What is your morning coffee order? A organic Nespresso pod, not using aluminum and not using plastic, <laughs> and a little bit of cashew and coconut milk mixed in. You can tell how complicated I am from that. That sounds
1: delicious. <laughs> okay, Eva, if you could solve uh, one problem in the world, what would it be?
0: The climate emergency. And could you name three traits that make a successful
2: GP? Perseverance, embracing complexity, and clarity, meaning clarity of what they're looking for in their investment strategy. Wonderful. And uh, Eva, what book are you currently reading? I am rereading The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Covey. I'm going back to some of my coaching basics. That's a good book. (laughs) That's a good one to
0: reread.
1: (laughs) Okay, Eva, thank you for that. For the last section, I'm going to say a number of things, and we want to know whether the following things are overrated or underrated. Firstly, uh, Twitter. Overrated. Avocados. Oh, this is a tough one.
2: I love avocados, but I do think there's an overrated element to them. (laughs) Self-help books. Underrated. Cryptocurrency. Underrated. Underrated. I'm a big DeFi person. And the Netflix documentary Sea Spiracy, if you're familiar with it. Totally overrated. I only watched the trailer and I was appalled by how they are shaming people and <laughs> not cool with that. All right. What about self driving cars? Underrated. Where are they? And kombucha? Underrated. It's, it's one of the three Ks. It's good for the, the gut kefir, kombucha, and kimchi. All right. And finally, what about podcasts? I think they're, they're pretty neutral, but I would say underrated. And I hope that everybody likes and subscribes and rates this podcast after listening to it.
0: Yay. Well, here <laughs> we go.
1: All right, Eva, thanks so much for your time. We Really, That's really sad. enjoyed uh, yeah, hearing about you know, the merit of things that you're doing um, in, in the impact world, You know, the history that brought you to where you are today. Um, and we really look forward to keeping tabs on what Beyond Capital will achieve in the future.
2: Thank you. That was tremendous fun and I will rejoin you at any time on the podcast. Thanks so much, Eva. I really enjoyed it. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye.